is a good potato. Bow, bow, bow. He is a good starchy little man. Do do wakey wop. Wakey 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 He's little man. Oh, he's got eyes like a potato. Yeah, that's right. Like a potato. He is right there. Welcome to My Side of the Fence, your weekly quarantino podcast with your favoriteest, most beautifulest neighboritos. Uh, I'm Trisha, I'm sleepy, and as always, we have Caitlin. How are you? I'm, I'm good. You nailed it. You nailed the intro. Sweet. I know you were nervous. I did it. I was sweating bullets over here, y'all. Like <laughs> Am I 20, 20 something episodes in, in, you know. Ah, we know right? what we're about. Just... We know our brand, okay? <laughs> We're neighborino quarantinos who love Fennegans. Enos. Fennegan-enos. Fennegonos. Ben- Benegodians? Is that what we landed on? Benegodians? <laughs> oh, man. And Robert Pattinson-ians? Yeah? He's <laughs> like our, our, our duke. Mascot. The duke of... Benigano. There you go. Well, he did play because Trisha watched a Robert Pattinson movie That's this true. weekend. I heard about it. Oh, it was really good. I watched uh, The King on Netflix. It is with Timothy Chalamet as Henry V. And Robert Pattinson's Robert Pattinson plays the, the Dauphin, 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 which is like the son Dauphin. I don't, I don't Dauphin. know. I'm not very good at friend. Duffman, 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 that happened. <laughs> oh yeah, uh. um, <laughs> we're off to a great start here, you guys. No, so, yes. So I, I watched a Robert Pattinson, and he did this awesome French accent. It was he was the most sleazy, and it was fantastic. And outside of the Robert Pattinson of it all. He the movie was also just really good, uh, cinematically and storyline wise, and uh, and um, soundtrack wise, it was very pretty to look at, and I'm really excited to see more of Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. He's, in, he, Chalamet. He's actually the main Chalamet all day, bay. Don't mind if I bidet. Uh, um, don't mind if I Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Okay. He is going to be <laughs> in Dune. Yes, he is the main character in Dune. He's Kyle McLaughlin. Yes. In yes. Dune. In Dune. He's got the pretty hair. Pretty hair man. Pretty hair man. Sand. In the sand. Spice. I hear it must flow. And then there's sandworms. Worms. That's the word. The worm. <laughs> Trish is miming it out because she knows that this will be very effective on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, visual mediums work really great when you're doing a yeah, podcast. I don't know what you guys want. She's miming me. out the fact. sandworm coming up and down from the sand dunes in the film Dune, starring Timothee Chalamet. There you go. I'm here all he's, night. He's an odd-looking man, and I look hour. forward to to hearing about Dune. To watching his face. <laughs> it's an odd uh, face. So yes, we did a few Twilight adjacent activities this weekend. I watched The King, and then Caitlin introduced me to that 30 Rock sketch with 
Kellen Lutz. Yeah, because I tried to no, say Colin the, Lutz. The guy, <laughs> one of the writers on the show, Lutz, like he actually is is related to Kellen Lutz. And I guess they wrote it into the show that, like, they thought he'd been lying for, like, years that he was related to Kellen Lutz, and, like, Tina Fey threatens to murder him at one point, but then they, like, really need a guest star. And so he produces Kellen Lutz, who is very excited about marshmallows, and he's, like, really strange and just an odd human being. But then- Are they wearing the same outfit? Yeah, they are. And, um, <laughs> and like, when they get him up on stage to to say something really important about the upcoming election, which I forgot that was what they had him get up on stage to talk about. And I was like, oh, this is this is very prescient. All the teenage girls and, and horny suburban moms in the audience were like, take it off. So he ends up, like, popping his shirt off. Yeah. And his uncle said it, too. Yep. Let's said it, too. Yeah. And that was just, that's also the most of a 30 Rock I've watched in, like, a very long time. I, I never, like, it was a little bit before my time, you know? Like What you're saying is I'm old. I mean, you also hadn't watched Twilight. It's true. So I think it's a fair trade. That's fair. I also <laughs> I don't grew know up if on actually the East that's Coast, true. That's true. Where Thirty Rock was much more prevalent. See, I like I deeply sunk myself into the office, but I haven't really given I I mean I tried to watch Thirty Rock. I just haven't given it much of a chance past like the first couple of first couple episodes of the first right. season. Right. Yeah, I mean and I then now this parts one. of it super don't age well. Like there. There there are chunks of it that don't age well. However, I have such fondness for it that I watch it anyway when I'm feeling sad. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I get it. That's kinda how I feel with like looking back on Parks and Rec now. I'm like, that also didn't age well and neither have the people that were most of the people that were on it. They also have not aged well. That's so. correct. <laughs> I mean Rob Lowe is preserved by like chemicals and willpower. Uh and Nick right. Offerman is still cool. We still like Nick Offerman. And we, I think we still like Aubrey Plaza a bit. I haven't heard much uh, Aubrey bad Plaza's about her. Doing so. her thing. She's living her life. She's living her life. It's like Aubrey Plaza and Nick Offerman are ones that are a okay in my book. Yeah. Brandon, I saw Nick Offerman a couple years ago, and he was great. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah. I ordered last Christmas. I ordered or maybe the Christmas before. I ordered producer Ryan a pencil holder doohickey from the Offerman wood, wood shop and it came with a note from nice. Mick Offerman which was really cool. That's awesome. And it has like his initials That's branded Offerman. into it. Nice. Yeah. That's badass. Good job, Nick Offerman. You keep being You amazing. keep just doing your thing, man. Like, yeah. he doesn't seem to ever like compromise what makes him a decent human being at the end of the day and like I listened to um the book about relationships that he and Megha Mullally put out a couple years ago. I finally got around to listening to it as an audiobook, which was not like the probably preferred way to read that book, but it was very funny because they kept taking turns like narrating it and like being weird and goofy and like they clearly love each other a lot because they're both decent people and like they're not huge gigantic pieces of shit. So, you know, again, helpful. Exactly. And they're just adorable. I love them so much. They're such good peoples and they, like, I've always been a fan of Megan Mullaney. 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 You know who I'm saying. Mullaney, not Mullaney. Apparently they that do a lot of puzzles uh-huh. together, and it's very cute. They do. Yeah. Uh, I've been a fan of her since, like, Will and Grace was first on the air. And then, of course, I started watching Parks and Rec, and I'm like, oh, I like this guy, too. And I found out they were married IRL, and I was like, Poosh! mind blown. Well, yeah, because for many years, he was, like, the guy who would, like, carry her purse. 
at events. Yeah. And like now people recognize him just as much as they recognize her. And they, they talk about that a little bit in the book about how it's just, it's odd. Yeah. Cause like they were able to have this one kind of area of their life that was not so infected by fame. And that's not to say mm-hmm. that it's inherently a bad thing, but it's just very different than I think they kind of had thought things were going to go after like the will and grace period of their lives. So it's like, yeah, it's a good read. Yeah. I, it's been on my list for a while. Uh, one thing he talked about when we saw him was that like, originally he kind of got his start as like in the, in the Hollywood world as like a carpenter, like building sets and stuff. And they actually met on a set of a play. Then she eventually, like they, he eventually got more into the actual acting side. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to hear how they like have helped each other through so much in, as far as their careers go. And, just that it, you know, looks good for both of them. I don't know. Happiness looks good. I like yeah. that they're cute and kind of weird. Same. Gives me gives me strength. <laughs> Cleans my pores. Yes. <laughs> you know who could learn how to be a good person? I, actually, I think he's past learning how to be a good person. We found out today. We found out on yesterday via the New York Times dropping their first article in what presumably is a series of articles. So I'm very excited for this. I'm assuming it as well. Yes, 45 has only paid taxes twice in the last how many years? He only paid 750 dollars each last year and the year before. Or was it 2016, 2017? Uh, 16, I 17, I think. Uh, yeah, he, a self-proclaimed successful businessman, a billionaire, etc., etc., uh, has only paid $750 in his taxes for two years, and then only paid on tax, or only filed taxes uh, for, what, like, once out of last, how much was that? Do you remember how much uh, I mean, he, he, he hadn't paid anything like 10 of the last 15 yeah. years. I mean, it's like him and That's right, know, yeah. Jeff Bezos. And I'm, it, it brings out, again, you know, there's this obvious, there obviously is a systemic problem where the wealthy have, you know, effectively a different set of tax rules than the poor, right? Because the poor, those who make under $30,000 a year or under $35,000 a year are exponentially more likely to be audited by the IRS. There's, there's data to support this. It's out there. And even in Colorado alone, I think, uh, I can't remember who was posting it earlier, but they were saying that like one of the counties that's most likely in Colorado to get audited is a very rural county with a name that I can't pronounce. I'm um, showing you how rural it is. It's not really part, even part of, you know, my my vernacular. Uh, yeah, vernacular. But but the average income in that county is like $36,000 a year because well, and the reason for that is that so the IRS can do audits on people and, you know, essentially threaten people into, you know, paying out these sums of money. And, you know, you've got people who are working just over minimum wage who are making quarterly pants to the IRS to kind of make up for, you know, things that they've missed over time and working very diligently. Meanwhile, uh, the wealthy can afford really good lawyers who will make more trouble than it's worth for the IRS to audit them. So unless there's something super egregious that they find like criminal activity, which explains why Trump has been under audit so many times, you know, it's it's really, it's far less likely statistically that someone that wealthy or with the presumption of wealth is going to be audited that that vigorously. So it's just interesting. I mean, there's a number of other things in that article of note that Ivanka, while being a salaried employee of the the Trump conglomerate, also took consulting fees to the tune of like $700,000. You know, again, just a lot of where the money went, where the money ended up, you know, is very sketchy throughout the entire organization. And again, it's much more indicative of what a criminal network looks like than 
anything legitimate. Not to mention, as I think we're all aware, just, you know, the thousands and thousands of vendors he's left hanging over the years for fees, for renting spaces. I mean, that was even true in the 16 campaign where there were places that hosted his rallies that they were supposed to be paying fees to to provide space for some of these rallies and they got left high and dry too. So, I mean, like, of course. what's what's fascinating about this is all coming out in the New York Times as as one piece and then presumably there are more things to come is not so much the idea that we're shocked that any of this is the case, right? We know that Trump's a bad guy. We know he misuses money. We know he abuses people financially, economically, um, in a variety of other ways as well. But I think just to see the full gestalt of it and to, you know, to truly let it sink under people's skin that, you know, that work really hard and are God-fearing taxpayers are, are the demographic we're looking at, right? And knowing that this kind of slime ball has been duping you guys for a long time. And here's all the evidence laid out. Here it is. Right. And I mean, I, I, like you said, people like you and me, we, we've known this. Like, yes, we have confirmation Well, we know it conceptually, now, yeah. This. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, not only conceptually, like, he admitted it on stage during the presidential debate with Hillary Clinton. There are some recordings of that. That makes me smart to not pay taxes. And people still voted him in. And right. like, also, I know you're not a, I know you're not a fan of Bernie, and I respect that. However, he did run two presidential campaigns on the fact that billionaires don't pay their taxes. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know why we need any more evidence, and I don't know why we need to keep like thinking this guy is like the smart, great person, and he cares about us when he, like Hillary Clinton said, didn't pay his taxes that helped pay the military and veterans and for schooling and it's like and for even just fucking roads it's like you guys have been so clearly duped and like people have been telling you this for five years since he announced his electoral or his presidential campaign Mm -hmm. in 2015 Uh, i remember somebody was like well you know i don't know about his political stance but i mean he's you know he's been a successful businessman for so long and i'm like He's had at least four bankruptcies. That's not success. It should also be like <laughs> a really big red flag when someone even goes bankrupt running a casino. Yeah. How how do you lose money at the like the biggest money thing you could ever have? Well, I mean, the um, house isn't supposed to lose, right? <laughs> no, the house is not supposed to lose. <laughs> but now where he's at, the house is losing and the Senate is losing and the country is losing. It's just a totally what different I, type of house. I, I, you know? What I do appreciate about... <laughs> This coming out now, obviously, it's it's a you know a little little crispy uh, October aperitif, an hors d'oeuvre, if you will. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I do like that it's changing the tone of some of the conversation that's happening, and the idea being that he's this yeah. broke huckster, and he's, he's a this con, con man. man. and he wants more of your money because he wants to live in the people's house for four more years, rent free, and. He wants to hide from his legal battles that are coming and are already in process for four more years. And that's his only motivation to stay in the White House. It's the only motivation. And I think that that has shifted, at least in even just in kind of the hopeless dire straits of the Internet. I think that has started to make an impact on what the tone of the conversation looks like. Well, that and um, I don't I think you saw it on my on my 
Twitter, um, but my, but Brandon was watching some TikToks last night, and like a lot of the people that he follows are like for also former vets that like have become a little bit more radicalized to the left side of viewpoint. And one of the guys that like he kept popped up on his feed as a suggested user was like, "You want to know why I'm switching from Trump to Biden this year? Is because like I truly believed in it. And I got conned, and I was like, wow." You got conned by a professional con man. Mm-hmm. Shocker. So, Kale surprise. And like. I actually <laughs> read a really good thread that um, Sarah Silverman shared, and it was a, a gentleman that had followed her. And I guess he was saying, you know, I was kind of brainwashed by Trumpism a couple years ago, and I was spreading around some things that were very hurtful to people. And here's like screen caps of some of the things I said. And he's like, you know what? Like, here's a picture of me then, and here's a picture of me now when I kind of hit my bottom, like after the election and I was like full MAGA, like I started going to therapy. I started thinking about how my actions impact other people and how being part of like the MAGA movement, like made me feel like other people don't matter. And it made me feel like I was like poisoned from the inside out. And I guess he had this interaction with Sarah Silverman on Twitter where she was like, look, I don't agree with basically anything you're saying, but I recognize your humanity and I want you to be better than what you are right now. And I guess that was like a part of a turning point for him. And I think there are several people now that like, it's easy to dunk on people that had those beliefs even just a few years ago. I know that's a big thing with some of like, especially the far, far left end of the Democratic Party is that, well, you know, if you haven't had these beliefs since time you know, immemorial, like, you're not worth anything. It's like, well, no, people are changing their minds. And I'm, I'm hopeful that again, with partly with this news coming out, it's, you know, more and more people saying, you know, being humbled and saying I was wrong. And I think we are starting to see some of that. We're seeing that with some pretty traditionally heavy conservative communities like military and vets, which are normally conservative grab bags. Uh, We're seeing it, you know, with some more people from rural areas or people like the gentleman on Twitter who, you know, was very sucked into the ideology of it. But again, like revealing this man, you know, for the, the, you know, revealing Trump for the kind of pathetic scum that he is and making him this pitiable form, I'm really hoping can, if there's anything that will sway minds at this point, I think it's that. It's to take Trump's power away from him to to make him less of this powerful figure that they seem to admire and have built him up to be because he is not that. I hope these people do realize like what their vote and what his winning the presidential office like did and the effect it's had on this country and I I mean I don't want people to necessarily feel guilty and or anything like that it's just like they do have some accountability to the fact that they voted for like an outright racist like an outright homophobic like somebody who like his whole campaign was built on hate not just like well i'm gonna you know save the sanctity of marriage or anything like vague like that like straight up like banning muslims and stuff i hope they have those moments where they realize that they played a part well, in that. i think there's that yeah like i said you know i think there's there's a humbling to it that also needs to occur but at the same time the world is actively on fire and so you know whatever minds we can change at this point are are a point in the wing column i'll deal with the moral victory later honestly at this point there, there are so many pillars of our institutions that are crumbling <laughs> 
That's that's true. Yes. Um. I mean, either either way, they they should probably still have reflection on that too, though, because there are people being like Kyle, the Kyle Rittenhouses who are being, you know, brainwashed by their parents, being raised by like white supremacist Trump supporters. Yeah. Like either way, yes, we want their minds changed, but they still are part of the cause for a lot of really fucked up things happening in this country well and let's and not let's not pretend for a second that the people donating either. to these things for Kyle Rittenhouse are the yeah. people you know that we're looking to even have conversations with oh, at yeah. this point no exactly but like the people like that like that guy on twitter like those are the guys that you know I'm I am glad that they are working on being an active positive influence to the to the world rather than continuing to be fueled and let themselves let either let themselves be fueled or perpetuate fueling violence and hate you know yeah i mean there's something to be said for like a cult mentality and like the fact that cults prey on vulnerable sad lonely people that don't have good things in their lives that don't have hope that don't have families that love them that don't have support systems that don't have economic security and they're told that they can have all of these things if they just follow a charismatic leader and that's not to say a good leader you know it's charismatic but you know it the floor just you know the thing with cults is that the floor falls out from under you every time and just because you're not drinking the kool-aid doesn't mean you're not in a cult Mm -hmm. it's it's sad and i mean there are people that i hope i really really hope they will see how terrible this man is and i really hope that like you know because we've talked about how my dad has some views on things on air and off air about how the world works that are just very counterintuitive to the life that he leads and the people that he has in his life as his loved ones um he doesn't believe in free health care for all like he doesn't like believe in same-sex marriage uh etc etc and i think he's gotten better at it over the years but you know there are just things that aren't necessarily great. I hope that there are people that are going to change for the better. You know what I mean? I mean, my dad is one of those people that I just, I really hope that this is an awakening. And I mean, depending on how Tuesday, tomorrow night goes, um, hopefully we'll have a lot more people like that listen and watch to the debate that is apparently happening. Oh, that's going to be such uh, a goddamn shit show. I can't even. I've got a bottle of wine. If you guys want to just watch it together, uh, um. we we might. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not because... a big drinker, but every once in a while, we gotta we gotta crack open that bottle because we got stuff going on in the world. <sighs> we sure do, but it'll be interesting to see what Biden has prepared and what kind of uh, little things he'll wear. Um, in order to poke at this. Did you see the, the, the stickers that they have already come out with for the Biden campaign? Yeah, they, they, the they made stickers? them within, like, an hour of the news dropping. And, like, it's nothing, like, graphically intensive or anything, but it just says, you know, I paid no. more in taxes than Donald Trump did. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's I'm amazing. pretty sure that even, like, in my most broke-ass, like, college student years where I was a cater waiter and making like an additional couple hundred dollars a year like doing research and and stuff like i'm pretty sure i still paid more than 750 dollars a year every time yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty sure when i worked at starbucks i I paid more like i'm pretty sure when i was 15 and working at jamba juice they still took more out i'm pretty sure that means that we are better public servants than the president of the united states 
So that makes us more qualified to be president. True. So, Caitlin, what what age will I be in 2024? 2024! We'll do the Holt Cup ticket. <laughs> Holt Cup. Bitches. Holt Cup. Get the whole thing. Ha! Get the whole thing, <laughs> and you put it in your cup. Ah! You can have the Holt Cup. Ah! Make cute little cups. Holt Cup. Yeah. 2024. You can be the main president. I'll be the vice president. The main I'll president. I'll be like the we- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what's what's our well, not what's the our side president? I mean, betting is, is it dependent on, on kind quarter. of what happens in the next four years, though. Like, I mean, you know, about how much we can push things in one direction or the other. Or is it basically like, hey, you know, the handmaids don't have to wear the visors outside, just inside. Like what? <laughs> yeah. what how? It's either going to be like. You guys, uh, our platform will be, depending on how the next four years will go, a Bennigan's on every corner. Robert Pattison as Secretary of State. We're going to have <laughs> everybody gets a bottle of wine once a week from the uh, Coppola Winery. That's fair. Uh, shout out to uh, Patrick H. Willems for we, that. We quite, Go listen we to quite him, enjoy his, his videos. Well, the... The other thing he, the thing where he had the big box of wines was from the uh, Turner Classic Movies Wine Club. Oh, that's but right. The, yeah. Then he ordered like eight hundred dollars worth of wine to be able to talk to Francis Ford Coppola. I worked. Oh, uh, bless. He's probably going to drink about. I would. I would guess, depending on how tomorrow night goes, six hundred dollars. That's worth. fair. That seems like a reasonable. Because I would do that. I, you know, you know, <laughs> I, I like the idea of Robert Pattinson as Secretary of State. I think that's pretty good. Right. I think I think he would be amazing. I think he would he would serve us well. Make his country proud by getting a political seat in our uh in our government. Oh. Yeah. Let's just make him an honorary Beautiful British man. Honorary American. Yeah. I mean he'll just like stand around and be yeah. high all the time and be like odd. <laughs> I mean saying I we that's another platform. Free weed for everyone. That's fair. Yeah, not um, just not just legalize yeah. weed and also like release anyone who's ever been incarcerated because of weed, because mm-hmm. that is my other agenda point that we would hit hundred percent. Oh hell yeah! But also free weed for everyone. Free the weed people in the prisons and give everyone free weed. We nailed it. We just can put a. We would be boosting agriculture. Yeah, you know, and the I economy. think that's something that conservatives tend to really like is is. You know, moving forward with with agriculture initiatives, and that is one that we can yeah. say, like, you know. And here's the thing: like the people that have currently been taking advantage of of weed stuff and and profiting off of it have largely been, you know, affluent white folk. So, like, why don't we give it back to like you know rural farmers and like you know really make the the farming culture in America about something that we can truly sell consistently and at a high price and, enjoy and without you know really putting animals in harsh conditions cuz like plants don't give a shit yeah. plants don't care <laughs> and you know plants, plants don't, don't care. care you can like walk around next to them and like put them in a cramped little thing and they don't care and but don't you care. know so like that's just an idea America vote for us Cause we'll save your chickens and, yeah. and your you'll nuggies. get free weed. Yeah, if you think think about think about it. Okay, Caleb. Caleb. The funny Caleb, the funny thing is, is I don't even partake, but I just support everyone's <laughs> ability to have access to it so fervently. Right. Well, that and you you legalize it, right? 
We fix agriculture because that makes it legal. Well, and again, again, we're freeing everyone that was incarcerated previously for marijuana. Yes, so all those people. And we're giving them, if they so want, business license. For dispensaries. And they can, so that way they they can have, have their voting rights. They can have all this shit. Yes. And you can all guarantee their shit back. job working on a weed farm. Yes. Exactly. And then, you know, we tax the weed. And then we have more money for the schools, for the roads, for healthcare, for anything we might need. You know what I, I quite like? It's all in uh, the weed. All the things that I don't like about living in Colorado. One of the things I do like <clears throat> is that the goddamn roads are largely yeah. immaculate. Largely. I mean, yes. there's still pockets that are kind of a hot mess, but honestly, compared to lots of other places that um, I've traveled in my life, post-weed legalization Colorado, man, those <laughs> potholes get filled fast. Because, like, here's the deal. Oh, if they don't spend that money on infrastructure within a certain period of time, the municipalities have to give the money back to the people, and they don't want to do that. So every goddamn yep. pothole in this... <laughs> state gets filled all the time all the time which is great because it gets snowy and it ices and then the road cracks and then we need to do it all over again but you know do i think that the funds could be probably allocated more evenly across different areas sure i absolutely think that i think you know again lots of things about the way uh weed money can be spent in schools very similarly to how lottery money uh can be spent by schools they, they, I think, are still way too strict about what that looks like because a lot of, and I think the last time I checked, a lot of the weed money can only go into like construction on schools and like certain things are what the money can be used for. Like it can't just be used carte blanche for like schools to come up with programs to like further enrich the students. It's super, super regulated what they can use the money for. So, like, I, I say, like, you know, hey, let's get an independent commission in here and think about, like, what could actually benefit the students to spend that money differently because the education system in Colorado is still not exactly what I would call top notch. Sorry, Colorado. You can suck it, I guess. I don't know. I, I can have my opinion about but how your schools work, and I don't think they're great. It used to be better. I don't know what happened, but it used to be a lot right. better. But, like, I think, you know, the, if the weed money were allocated properly, you'd be getting uh, good teaching talent coming out here because teachers, you know, historically are not paid uh, what they're worth. And then also just right. the resources to, you know, coming up with innovative lesson plans and not holding uh, students, you know, to the ground just to pass a test. But, you know, really enriching. And, you know, we're, we are in a, a beautiful place. You know, finding ways to incorporate the landscape of Colorado into the educational system here in a more meaningful way, like bringing back funding for band, bringing back funding for the arts, bringing back funding for theater departments and all the things that aren't, you know, high school football. Um, High school football is a lot of fun. I used to go to games all the time when I was in high school. I liked it a lot, but I also did not appreciate, you know, and this was in an East Coast school where football is, you know, even less important less important than it is out here or in like texas or something but you know the the i it did not go unnoticed how much more money was spent on like the 40 kids on the football team than every other child in the school (laughs) so again i have a lot of thoughts about how we could be reallocating those funds to make colorado a better place and to think more long term but at the same time like there's a lot that works in colorado that could be taken to the federal level if anyone had the balls to do it Right. Well, so with with uh, the the marijuana marijuana law marijuana 
with the marijuana law laws in Colorado, um, every time there's an election on the state level, there's always something new on the ballot that regards how that money is allocated and how those specific rights right. work. So it was actually more inclusive for schools uh, when it first became legal in the state. Yeah. But as the years have gone on, people have kind of dialed it back, which is where why we're at where we're at now as far as where that money's going. So that it just circulates the uh, importance of voting down ballot and voting in your local elections outside of presidential election years because uh, you could have a program that you really love and that you mm-hmm. really appreciate. Doesn't guarantee it'll be, be there getting forever. Little down. Yeah. You have to fight for it every time. If you only vote every four years, you're going to miss a lot of stuff that's going to be either made legal or illegal. And, and let's be so. honest, Colorado is a, a mail voting state, has been for as, as long as I've lived here during elections. And there's zero excuse, really, for not participating in the all the local elections, right? Because they mail the ballot to your house, comes with a explainer thing saying what it is you're voting for, the names of all the people. And then, you know, you can look at places like Ballotpedia or uh, the Denver Post usually has a breakdown of different candidates on local elections. Um, there's other places to find them, too, on the Internet. And just kind of, like, educate yourself um, because they're... <laughs> Also is the case where if you don't educate yourself on who's running in a local election, oh my gosh, and I don't I'm, I don't have the article pulled up right now, but there was this rural county and it's not in Colorado. Um I be- was it in Kentucky or Kansas? I think it was in Kansas. I think that's what you said. We talked about this off mic a few Yeah, there was the trans individual who's like an anarchist, Satanist, uh ACAB, like abolish the police kind of person <laughs> who not not even as a joke, like legitimately like wanted to kind of see how far it would go if they, you know, got the, the signatures and got everything needed to run as the Republican candidate for sheriff, um, <laughs> like sheriff deputy or sheriff, uh, yeah, sheriff's office for this like rural county. And I guess like 4,000 people ended up voting for this person. <laughs> Without just kind of circling, you know, the R. Oh, yeah, I vote Republican. Yep, yep, this is who I'm voting for. All the way down. All the way down. And I guess they won the primary. People found out the next day because, like, the local news commented on it. They were like, here's a weird thing. Like, this person won. (laughs) And here's what this person stands for. And did people know that they were running for this? And people were furious, right? And the the candidate, you know, wrote, wrote a response that was like, well... It's not my job to educate you on who I am. It's yeah. really not. And the fact that you voted for me just, you know, blindly voting down ballot, like, says more about you than it does about me. And, like, I'm sorry that you feel betrayed by this. I really do. But, like, this is a position you guys put yourselves in. <laughs> and so... Exactly. It was just... I mean, it was. It's a. it's a wild story. Totally just wacky that that got that far. I, I'm genuinely shocked, but stories like right. that, you know, are a good reminder that like you have responsibility over what happens in your community. And I mean, we get a big blue book with all the information every year of what's going on on the ballots. Mm-hmm. So, and like you said, we've got all that, all the places you can look on Ballotpedia or Ballot Ready, which I believe we have the charity ad right now for that uh, somewhere on the podcast episode. Hey. I don't know exactly where it's going to land, but um, but yeah, no, we they're they're. There is information out there, and you just got to make sure you're keeping your eyes peeled and you're getting your information from reputable sources. Uh, and that can go for anything. That can go for the, po- the the elections. That can go for 
plate. That can go for any kind of information that you're consuming. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin and I were talking right before we recorded about who we listen to for like COVID numbers on Twitter. One of which being Chris Vanderveen from Nine News because uh, he's been on top of it. He, his information is very clear cut. It makes sense. It also is like sourced. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's not like you know you don't uh, have to like wade through the bullshit of his numbers it's pretty clear like what he's trying to present to you and it's it's generally reliable and uh yes yeah, yeah. so the the fine folk at nine news tend to use his information as well yeah he he's a nine news reporter right too, right so, but i mean yeah, like specifically yeah. what he's putting together um is very That's clear fair. and you know they re- retweet his graphs right and, and yeah. the idea that like Sorry. you know colorado right now we are seeing Again, we're seeing these mini spikes in confirmed COVID cases, but it's not translating into hospitalizations and deaths uh, anymore, really. I mean, even the last like two mini spikes we've seen have not um, translated to to hugely increased hospitalizations and deaths. So, you know, what is that information telling us versus uh, something that, you know, is much more clear cut? Like there's this, you know, if this, then that. Uh, relationships. So I think, you know, as we continue to move forward in this pandemic, which isn't going to end anytime soon, just knowing where you're getting your information in general, obviously, is very important. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... And it looks like we're... From what they, his tweet said earlier today, that we are might be cresting, but we might not, because, like, the, the, the health organizations in Colorado are like, we kind of might be cresting, but we might peak back up. So uh, it, it can be kind of frustrating to read that information right. and you might, it might be a little confusing but there are people out there that are trying to make that information easier on us so thinking about what's been going on in colorado the last couple of weeks um uc boulder had to basically lock down their campus and institute a curfew for i think people who are under 24 because there were so many on and off campus parties happening and i i this whole situation frustrates me because I think there was somebody I was following on Twitter who kind of said it best that was talking about how at the end of the day, yes, the numbers are going up because school's in session, but this curfew that's being put in place, while it is effectively saving lives, what it's also doing is blaming the students for the rise in the numbers as opposed to holding the school accountable for deciding to like make as much money off the students by maintaining to have school in uh, on campus as long as possible despite the fact that they knew it was going to like make sick and possibly kill people. So that's just one set of numbers to be looking at. But again, like once you start looking at like, well, why did that happen that way? Then you've got, you know, again, places like UC Boulder that are having these like, you know, thousand case uh, spikes a day, but then it's, you know, they, they set themselves up to fail and they set their students up to fail. And they set everyone that works on that campus up to fail. And it's just, Looking at that kind of stuff bums me out. It makes me sad. Well, that and it's really going to, I think it's going to backfire because unfortunately there are people in that demographic of 18 to 24 that do not have good skills as far as making decisions or listening to like health officials. Like they're like, well, you can't tell me what to do because I'm an adult now. So I'm gonna have a party. Well, like, you see Boulder is and, such like, a huge counterculture presence. And that's not to say that, like, exactly. people who are involved in, like, counterculture activities or, you know, whatever, a part of, you know, that that scene, it's not to say that those people don't know yeah. how to be responsible. But also, if you're an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, and someone's telling you, 
you need to be doing xyz and you are you know feeling very you know fuck the man and you're a dumb college yeah. student like at the end of the day you're gonna do something that's not necessarily like in your own best interest and there was another another point that was made by a CU Boulder student that Kyle Clark retweeted earlier this weekend, um, saying, "Well, I'm a single woman, and walking from home from my late night classes alone because you're being forced to, and if you're walking with somebody, then you're breaking the curfew and the rules. Like that is basically setting up a precedent for danger, mm-hmm. and especially in Boulder, where yes, it's." more progressive and liberal, but there are still hate crimes against people of color and the trans community up there that happen. I mean, Colorado in general is, as much as it likes to say that it's a progressive state, let's let's not kid ourselves. Like, Colorado is... <laughs> let's call it what is it is. not um, exactly <laughs> what I would consider um, at the at the leading the pack there. I mean, it's a very small no, of course. section of Colorado that even, you know, identifies as blue... And even among that, it's still influenced by uh, being surrounded by, like, a ridiculous, extremely red area that does not care about people. Exactly. So it's, like, I feel like that's a really good point to make, that, like, there is a level of somewhat danger that you're enforcing on people. Because, you, I mean, yes, obviously, like we said, we want to keep people alive and safe and healthy, but... The, the way to like, do that would have been to keep them we... home altogether. Yeah, and not charge people exactly. full tuition because you want to like milk every last penny out of these college kids. I mean, yeah, that's some evil shit right there. Right. Why not just to have your alumni pay more because you've got them excessive jobs that pay them like a fuck ton of money every year. Like, why not have them or use pay more some money of your general fund that that's in the starting. millions? Like, yeah. I mean, that's the in thing. The like, you see places like even like Harvard saying, you know, oh, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And it's like, fuck you guys have endowments. You're fucking Harvard. Every major like, university has endowments. Yeah. That, like. Pay your teachers, pay your janitorial staff, pay everyone to stay home. Yeah. Real money. Yeah. Like, you don't have to have, like, the AC or the heat on. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, right now they've got all of these alone. dorms running. Because they want to yeah. charge the students for the dorms. That's all yeah, it is. exactly. Yeah, exactly. There is no other motivation from a safety standpoint to have those kids in the dorms. Nope. There's no reason other than money. People are the worst. I would say we did do one fun, one other fun thing this weekend as far as entertainment goes. We finally continued on our Fast and the Furious we, uh, we did. We watched Fast we watched Four, which is the worst the, one, the bad one. It's Fast and fast Furious. Fast and Furious. They were like no articles this time, and it was so boring that. Well, I to be fair, I had been on call for like forty eight hours straight at that point, <laughs> and I fell asleep on the couch. I barely. I didn't make it through the end. But also, yeah, it was. I would say that's still a signifier of the kind of movie. I mean, it I've was. seen. I've seen um, it before, but like. At, by yeah, that true. same token, yeah. I was just like, oh my god, I just can't do this. And, like, my body lost consciousness just, like, trying to make power through, you know? You're like, nope. I would say it was okay. Out of all the ones I've seen so far, definitely on the bottom of the favorites list. <laughs> like, 
any Fast and the Furious movie, like, if it's playing on TV yeah. when I'm in a hotel, you bet I'm gonna have it on in the background while I do stuff. But at the same time, like, I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch the fourth one um, ever again, yeah. because that was just enough. But what it accomplishes that is that it accomplishes getting Brian and Dom back in the same place without wanting to murder each other, which, you know, you forget that, like, yeah. they were only in the th- same movie in the first movie. There had been yeah. two other movies that did not feature them together uh, because Brian's in the second one, but and no, neither of them's really in the third one. Uh, Dom's in like the last two seconds, like post credits, yeah. I think even. Um, but, yeah, I you know, think it is. I'll, I'll always pay money uh, to to see Han because we, yeah. we stand a, we stand a mm-hmm. king. Um, I was very happy to see him for five whole minutes in the in the in fast and in, in Fast and Furious to make sure I get the name right. And and in the second one, somebody else wants to kill Brian, so it's it fills that bucket, you know. But I will say that we we realized they missed a huge franchise opportunity while we were watching this movie. Maybe not franchise is the right word, but still, you know, they always you know, for those who are familiar with the Fast franchise. They, they have barbecues and they have family and, you know, it's all about being family. Hashtag barbecue you know? family. Hashtag barbecue family. My thought was, where the fuck is Olive Garden? I know. Because we're, we're here, here, you're here. family. Your family. Olive Garden should serve some barbecue and Coronas. And yes, yes, yes. <laughs> if there's anybody that can rehabilitate the word Corona, <laughs> it is Vin Diesel. Yes. Yes. And Olive and Garden. Olive Garden. That's some synergy. <laughs> free from us you know what's his name that's directing the new batman movie matt matt reeves did not listen to us as far as bennigan's his and batman people go. didn't even reach out i mean i'm just genuinely offended yeah i i cried a little bit but it's fine vin mr my man, diesel mr diesel if you would so consider reaching out to us to talk about rebranding corona and maybe becoming a part owner in a Colorado Bennigan's restaurant. PPS loved your new single. It was a bop. <laughs> PPPS, we love you. You are always a bop. PPPPS, <laughs> you should make more Chronicles of Riddick movies. They slap real hard. <laughs> PPP, PPS. <laughs> <laughs> We love you. Please, please send us Corona. And maybe we could be on a Dungeons and Dragons quest together. That's true. Know. You can do those on Zoom. We can do those on Zoom. Yep. You never know. You never actually have to like, come and meet us and be near our weird germs, which I feel like is a pro for you because, you know, you're you're a Hollywood person who like has to worry about being on unsafe sets like Robert Pattinson does apparently and we respect your privacy and your boundaries but also PPPPPPS yeah. <laughs> we too live our lives a quarter mile at a time well as I said in Target a mile at a time because I misquoted it <laughs> I think I think that one stretch of Parker Road that's that yeah I bet that does get used for drag racing honestly I mean, what else is it good know, for? Right? Certainly not traffic. You guys did film part of a Fast and the Furious movie here in Colorado, up on Pikes Peak a couple years ago, because my husband likes to tell the story all the time where he 
got to have a drink with Paul Walker and it was like one of the best experiences of his life because he was a good dude. And Mr. Diesel, come here and have a Corona with us. Yeah, please uh, finish. Well, you had to bring the whole cast with you because then you had to finish the bingo card for, for producer Ryan of all the people from Fast and the Furious he's had drinks with. So That's fair. So that's just a just exactly. a little note that we have. And a few p p p p p. We just like kept stapling like little little notes onto the end of the note. Yeah, no, it's like post-it notes. Just ba 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 ba. That's fair. Like that's fair. Yeah, that's our week on our side of the fence, Mister Vin Diesel. I hope you enjoyed hearing about it. I hope it was worth the wait to hear your your names and your. You're, basically, what we did, it wasn't P-P-P-P-S-S-S-S-S. It was piss, 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 piss. like calling a cat. He can come sit in our bed against and share a booth with Robert Pattinson. Yes, he can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can, Mr. Diesel. Yes, you can. They would be the best friends. It would be weird. I'd be into it. It would be weird and I would be yep. into it. Title of my sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Caitlin, any final thoughts for our neighborinos out there? Uh, for Colorado neighborinos, uh, the fire situation is back in full force. Um, every time I go outside, it smells like a campfire of sadness. So make sure you are washing your face multiple times a day if you have to, not like abrasively, but like maybe wipe off your face because then you wipe off your face and you realize that there's a gray film covering your face. And it's just, it's a thing. So do that, wear a mask and be a good person, I guess, Trisha. Yeah, I I agree. Be a good person. Um, keep your exfoliating wipes on hand so that way you can get the uh, literal cloud of ash off your face. Um, wear a mask so you don't inhale the smoke or get sick, light bulb, and um, just enjoy your diesels and your Pattisons and your happy little lives. And we love you. P.S. P.P.S. <laughs> Good night, Mr. Diesel. All right, guys. Good night, Mr. Diesel. Good night, Mr. Pattison. Good night, Ms. Bennigans. <laughs> Good night, Mix Bennigans. The end. Okay. Bye. Bye.